Today's scripture comes from the reading from the, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 25 to 31. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Amy. Before we get started at this portion of our service, I want to make sure you all have a cup with a little black rock in it that looks like this. Did you receive that when you came in? Does anyone not have one? Angie will make them available to you. Just raise your hand. Keep it raised. Just a couple up front. Okay. She's coming right back, so... Augie is helping her. If you're at home, you can grab a rock that is near you, or we'll have time to do that later as well. Taking them a little bit of time to gather them. Here she comes. If you will raise your hand and keep it raised, Andrew will bring it to you. We've got a couple in the back there, and up front, we're good. Okay, I invite you now to take a deep breath. And let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A couple of years ago, I dropped an almost empty jar of spaghetti sauce on the kitchen tile. And of course, it shattered everywhere. So I said a prayer of thanks that my family was already at the dining room table, and I cleaned up the red sauce off of the white tile, and I swept up the glass with care. And then I sat down at the table with my family to enjoy our meal until one of the kids asked for something. So I jumped up, I ran into the kitchen, and I slammed my foot on top of a shard of glass, my right heel. Yeah, I yelped in pain, and I found the nearest chair, and I sat down, and I tried to assess the situation. I could not see the glass, but I knew that it was there every time I took a step. The next day, I went to an urgent care clinic, and the doctor said, well, I don't see anything in there, so if it's in there, you're just going to have to let your skin work it out, push it out. 
So I sat there in frustration at the lack of empathy that I was receiving from this caregiver who didn't even believe that there was glass in my foot. And then it hit me. I had this revelation. I'd just been given my spiritual practice for the season of Lent to walk on broken glass. It's no secret that life often presents us with a difficult path to walk. The season of Lent brings those challenges of that path into sharp focus as we are invited to walk with Jesus on the way to the cross. This year, as we acknowledge the difficulty of this path, we will turn to the words that Jesus shared with his disciples just before his death. This is a worship series that we're calling Rocky Ground, Walking with Jesus on Rugged Terrain. The sermons in this series will be rooted in the Gospel of John. Amy read to us from chapter 14 of John this morning, in which Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. A community observance of the season of Lent allows us to locate ourselves in the story of Jesus in a way that invites us to move through his life, but also through the rhythm of the life of the church. Our church year begins at the end of the calendar year, at the end of November or the beginning of December in the season that we call Advent as we wait for the birth of Jesus. You can see Advent illustrated by the purple wedge toward the top right of the circle graph. Advent then leads us to Christmas, followed by a time when we focus most often on the ministry of Jesus, which is represented by the small portion of green. And that brings us back to Lent, back to the color purple. Purple symbolizes hope, which is what makes it such a beautiful and appropriate color for both Advent and Lent. In one season, we are waiting, we are hoping for the birth. In the other season, we are waiting and hoping for the resurrection. And birth and resurrection are both expressions of new life. Lent officially begins on Ash Wednesday each year and concludes on Easter Sunday. And this 40-day season points us back to the rain and the flood experienced by Noah and his family in the ark, back to the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness as the people escaped from Egypt, but didn't quite yet make it to the promised land, the 40 days that Jesus found himself in the wilderness, isolated, hungry, alone, where his divinity and his humanity came face to face. So we're invited in this 40-day season to do our own soul-searching, to acknowledge the floodwaters as they're rising around us, to admit that we're wandering somewhere in between where we have been and where we want to go, to face the limitations and the greatness of this human life, and to do all of that in a way that reminds us that we need God for the strength to keep putting one weary foot in front of another. That's why an observance of Lent often includes some sort of practice of denial or fasting. Some people adopt a practice such as prayer or an additional scripture reading. Any of these practices have the potential to help us focus on our own humanity, our own mortality, and on our reliance on God and our connection with other human beings. 
the point is to guide us to repentance so that we can change and grow in a life of faith, that we can live out our faith in a way that makes a difference. It's this truth that Jesus shares with us so beautifully in what we now call the farewell discourse. We find it in chapters 14 through 17 in the Gospel of John. And this conversation between Jesus and his closest friends takes place during the Passover. After they've eaten, after Jesus has washed their feet, after he predicts his betrayal, and after Judas leaves the upper room, but before Jesus goes to the garden to pray, before he is arrested. This is where we find ourselves in the story for today, at the table with Jesus and his friends, as he's trying to prepare them not only for the events of the next few days, but for the rest of a lifetime of following and serving when he is not able to be at the table the way that he is with them now. He talks to them about the importance of loving one another and about listening to the Spirit of God. And this is nothing new. He has said most of this before, even as he washed their feet just moments earlier. This time, Jesus emphasizes the role of the Spirit, which is not merely to be present with his friends, but to continue his work to work on the disciples' behalf, to teach them, and to remind them of what they already know and of who they are. So every time I read this part of the text, I cannot help but ask myself, wait a minute, wasn't the Holy Spirit already present in the world at this point? Wasn't the Holy Spirit at work all along? Don't we see the Holy Spirit at creation hovering over the waters? Yes, yes. And yes, but just because the Spirit is with us doesn't mean we acknowledge her presence. In the verses that directly precede our passage for today, Jesus talks about the reality that many people don't recognize the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The reason for this is not necessarily outright defiance, but a lack of spiritual maturity, an inability to see the Spirit at work and to listen to the Spirit's voice and to act upon the Spirit's guidance. We're only human, after all, and we have so much going on in our minds. Jesus knows that the road that winds before the followers including us, before his followers, including us, will be rocky. That's exactly why he's taking the time to remind those who are with him in that moment that they are not alone and to give them and to give us a gift, a gift of peace. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence of the Spirit's presence, and work in our lives. And Jesus' brand of peace is all-encompassing. It includes the qualities of truth and light and life of which John speaks in other areas of the gospel, creating a picture of the quality of life that is available to us as followers of Jesus. And this is no small gift because Jesus knows that we have reason to let our hearts be troubled 
We don't really have time to list them all here today, but they range from health problems to conflict in our relationships to financial struggles to violence in our world to the destruction of our environment. Jesus knows our troubles. Why would he bother to tell his friends not to be troubled if he didn't know that they were troubled? Why would he give them the gift of peace if they didn't need it? Jesus is no stranger to turmoil. He's got the ruler of the world. That's a reference to the presence and the work of evil in the world on his trail. In these words to his friends, Jesus is in no way minimizing the force with which turmoil pushes against our hearts and our minds and our souls. He's simply saying that the peace that he offers is stronger. And he's telling us that we can cultivate that peace in our relationships with each other in our love for one another. So let me ask you, how do we define love in this community? I ask this every so often. I would really like to know if you remember. What is love? Anybody? There you go, Johnny. To love is the choice to will the good of another. To love is to will the good of another. We borrow this definition from St. Thomas Aquinas because it presents love not as a feeling but as an action as a commitment. So now let me ask you this. In what experiences in life do we really need to know that we are loved? I'm, I'm really asking, always. Yeah. But when do we really need it? When do we really need it? And especially in the turmoil, when we are struggling when we feel isolated and alone, we need to know that the people who love us are with us to help us be at peace in those times when we find ourselves walking on broken glass. That shard of glass did finally work its way out of my foot, by the way, in two different pieces three months later. Three months. So while my skin did its slow work, I had to learn to walk with a daily reminder of my own human limitation and make peace with them. That takes practice. And my experience with the broken glass reminded me of a Linton practice from many years ago. One year, a senior pastor with whom I worked invited everyone to put a small rock, like this one, in one of our shoes during the season of Lent. I'm not joking about this. His point was that if we put a rock underneath a foot in one of our shoes, we would not be able to take a step without feeling irritated and uncomfortable, without being reminded of the limitations of our human bodies and our dependence on God, which is the point of the season of Lent. So I do have a small rock for each of you today. If you're at home, you can find a rock near you, or you can come and you can pick one up at the church. I am inviting you into this practice with me between now and Easter. Now, I know that many of you don't want to do this. 
And I know that many of you won't do this. You will choose to dismiss this practice without even really considering it. And honestly, there's not a lot I can do about that. And some of you may have legitimate physical conditions that would make this unwise or unsafe, and that's totally fine. Don't do it then. But if it is a safe practice for you, then I encourage you to consider taking part in this community Lenten practice and to remain open to what you can learn from it. So we're going to do this now. I'm going to do this now, and I'm going to hope that somebody does this with me. So take the rock, choose the foot. I know it's awkward, right? It's a little bit foolish to take your, your shoe off. But remember, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, okay? So put the rock in your shoe. Recognize, remember, we pray for foolishness, right? We pray for foolishness in this community. And now for the good news. After today, you can take the rock out on Sundays. I'm serious. Because Sundays are days in Lent, but not days of Lent. And if you don't believe me, look at the calendar and count the days. Start with February 22nd and count all the way to April the 9th. If you include the Sundays, you will get more than 40. You remove the Sundays, you get 40. Sundays are days of grace. They are days of celebration. So keep the rock in your shoe every other day but Sunday after today and enjoy the relief that you have. But the point of this exercise is that we learn to experience the grace even in our discomfort. We learn to experience the grace and cultivate the inner peace that Jesus gives us with every rocky step that we take. So in the words of Jesus, rise and let us be on our way. Really, stand up if you can, if you're able. Yes, rise. And let us pray. Kids, if you'd like to take your wooden crosses in your hands, you're welcome to do that. Gracious and loving God, we want our paths to be smooth. That's what we envision when we pray that your word be a lamp at our feet and a light upon our path. We expect that your light will help us avoid the rocky places and step securely on the solid ground. But what your light really does is reveal your presence to us and remind us that you are walking with us. You are holding our hands. You are aiding us in traversing the rugged terrain with the confidence and peace that you give your children. So grant us the courage in these difficult days, in this sober season, to walk diligently and faithfully with you. Bless the rocks in our shoes to remind us of our utter dependence on you. Bless each step that we take to reinforce the power of your work in our lives. Bless our journey for our own growth and for the benefit of others, that all would know that they are loved and worthy of belonging. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>